Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, my name is Ali Vignon, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, Presidential Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast again, the PD Life Podcast, the Pampers Podcast, Pronger Cast, Knubel Cast, Poolin Cast, Clarky Cast, TK Cast, Sandheim Steamroller Cast, all of them. Every single one of these casts, and actually pretty soon, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, another guest coming on to the Snow the Goalie podcast who you certainly will want to hear from one week from, well, probably about a week from today. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as always by Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter and Instagram at AntSanPhilly. And of course, our show is available on Instagram and on Twitter. You can follow us at SnowTheGoalie and Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. Now that that's out of the way, Anthony, how are you, my friend? Well, I'm, I'm a lot better now. That you put uh, your shirt back on? That I, that I, yeah, that I'm clothed. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I knew that surprising you with that was uh, was going to be one of my favorite parts of the of the day as I did my Nikita Kucherov impersonation and showed up for the podcast uh, shirtless. There is definitely a chance that that's going to be the uh, episode image. I'm not going to make it the one for crossingbroad.com. <laughs> I don't want to have anybody uh, you know spit out their morning coffee, but I think I might make it on the uh, the podcast feed. But Yes, Anthony decided to be Nikita Kucherov. He sat here when I got onto Zoom with his hat backwards and no shirt on. And let me tell you, it was just as majestic as you would expect it to be. Um, we are only, I mean, it's, it's, we're not far away. We found out that Chuck Fletcher is going to be meeting with the media on Tuesday. We'll, of course, be on that call. We'll be live tweeting it from the Snow the Goalie account. I'll tweet it, some of it probably from at Joy on Broad. And we'll, um, yeah, we might even clip up some of the, uh, the press conference itself and put that out on all of our social media channels. But he'll be meeting with the media on Tuesday. Um, the NHL expansion draft is on the 21st, so we're not that far away. And by the time Chuck Fletcher meets with the media, that'll be what the, the 12th is that the 12th it will be nine days before the NHL expansion draft. And then the crazy thing is just two days later is the actual NHL draft itself. One week from the expansion draft is the start of free agency. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's about mm-hmm. to get real and it's about to get real, real quick. Yes, it is. Conversations already being had between front offices, conversations already being had with agents. I'm sure. And we've got this expansion team looming. The report came out today that they might even look not only to, uh, you know, we talked earlier about the possibility of them going for low salary, lowest salary possible in the expansion draft, that they might even look to uh, offer sheet a few players, including like an Elias Pettersson or a Kel McCarr. So um, I am excited for the shenanigans, the hilarity to ensue and, and for hockey to take some of the headlines, especially with the new deals kicking in here shortly with ESPN, which will have the draft. And with TNT, Anthony, how are you feeling 
uh, going into the end of July here, knowing that all of this is about to happen and it's about to happen very soon. Yeah, my life is going to be busy. That's that's what I feel. That's what I'm. But that's okay. That's a good thing. It's been quiet for a while, um, and it's it's good to be good to get back um, going in the in the hockey direction. Um, and uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what what takes place. I think that there's going to be a lot of maneuvering um, by teams. I think that Seattle's going to be a big player in in everything, not just because of the expansion draft, but because they have a lot of cap room, right? I mean, they have 70, you know, $80 million in cap room right now, which no other team has. And so there's going to be, they're going to, they're going to, you know, be willing to take on some salary in exchange for great return. And I think some teams will, will give them that return in order to get out from underneath uh, the cap. Uh, whether or not they go into the, um, realm of restricted free agency. I don't know if they will. Um, both Vancouver and Colorado would absolutely 100% match whatever offer is made to McCarr uh, and uh, Pedersen, or I guess I should have said them the other way around considering I said Vancouver first. Um, but either way, uh, the only thing that that would do is create some havoc further down the roster for those two teams. And I guess if you're Seattle and you look at it and say, well, they're going to be Western conference rivals and foes. I mean, Vancouver is probably going to be the, uh, uh, the um, number one rival for Seattle because of how close they are the proximity between the two cities. Um, so I could see them maybe trying to do something like that just to kind of start that right away. Um but I, I don't think, uh, you know, we've had this RFA conversation before. The reason that it just doesn't happen is teams don't, they, they know that m- almost every team will find a way to match it. I mean, if, if Nashville can find a way to match the, what the Flyers offered Shea Weber several years ago, and they were such a small market team, um, and the Flyers had all the money, then anybody can find a way to to match it so but i think the the thing that really has to be talked about here is the fact that like sometimes it's just gamesmanship you know you talk about a a tampa bay team that was what 16 million over the cap that just won the stanley cup and you think about like what could have happened if a team had shown the balls to go after a braden point a couple of years ago like when we talked about rfas that offseason i said that would be the guy that you go after and Braden Point's been exceptional. And it's not that you're actually going to get Braden Point. It's that you're going to you're going to serve up a poison pill to a team that very clearly was going to be in contention. And by not doing that and by allowing them to do the bit of business that they did, you um, you didn't actively help them, but you certainly didn't hurt them. And, you know, maybe it's certainly figured out a way around it, too. Right. Well, they they certainly did. But uh, I don't know if they would have been able to figure it out had you offered up a poison pill and, and given Braden Point, um, you know, like a 11 or 12 million dollar a year deal to go back with. Um, the, the one thing that I think might be interesting here, especially for Seattle, is um, if there's ever a time to be worried about the, the good old boys club coming back to uh, to blackball you, it would be if you went after an RFA in your first season. Now, it's not as if Ron Francis is uh, you know new to the game, but it still stands to reason that if GMs just in general don't offer sheet players, uh, if for no other reason than the fact that it might hurt their feelings, which Bobby Clark said on our podcast before, and Paul Holmgren previously alluded to on our podcast before, um, I, I can't 
necessarily say that I, I would see a team in their first season, you know, going after a, a player, no matter how good Elias Pettersson is, or no matter how good Cal McCarr is, they both obviously would be an immediate upgrade. They certainly would be uh, players that you could theoretically build around in terms of like foundational players, cornerstone players of your franchise. They're also guys who were taken after Nolan Patrick, and that's worked out very well for the Flyers. So let's, um, let's turn the page here really quickly. So, the expansion draft isn't far away. The NHL draft itself isn't far away. I'm guessing at some point here in the near future, we'll talk about some more potential draft targets. You brought one up, I believe, two episodes ago, maybe three episodes ago. Let's talk about what Chuck Fletcher might have uh, up his sleeve, uh, potential moves. But but more than anything, we're going to we're going to talk to him on Tuesday uh, as part of the media call. Do you expect there to be anything um, even borderline um, of note to come out of that? Or do you think this is more or less just break the silence, break the ice, get things set up, exchange pleasantries, and then move on with your day? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's pretty much what this is, is that, you know, the things are going to start going hot and heavy and the Flyers are going to be pretty active. Um, Look, the Flyers are going to lose a player. The Flyers are going to uh, make a trade or two. They're going to uh, have a draft. They're going to hit free agency. There's going to be a lot of changes coming. And I think that the Flyers are just simply making Chuck available to the media so that, you know, we can ask all the questions about, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, where where are you at? And he'll give his generic answers there. Um, because you're not going to get much in that setting. Um, but we know those questions are going to be asked, and, and that's that's kind of you know what it'll be. I'm sure you'll get a couple <clears throat> questions about the Flyers' own free agents. I'm sure you'll get a couple questions about players who were injured and you know had some off-season surgery and how they're recovering. Um, so there'll be some of those things too. And then you know, the reporters will try to ask questions in a certain way to try and get a little bit more, glean a little bit more information. But Chuck's been at this game for a while. He won't give up much. And uh, and so, yeah, so that's what it'll be. It'll be, a you know, a 35, 40-minute gab fest that doesn't give you much of anything new unless something were crazy to, were to happen prior to Tuesday at lunchtime. So the interesting thing is, and I think one of the names that obviously has been brought up, we talked about this on the last episode, but the the two names that have come up the most frequently are James Van Riemsdyk, who makes seven million a year for the next two seasons. And then, of course, Jake Vorchek, who I believe has three seasons left at eight and a quarter million, give or take. Um, Voracek is an interesting name to have popped up. And one of the things that um, maybe starts to make you wonder a little bit You know, we talked about the fact that when uh, Dave Hackstall was initially hired in Philadelphia, that he called Voracek and said, I'm going to fly into the Czech Republic. We're going to have dinner. Uh, And then Jake said, well, okay, you know, what's what's the plan? Are you staying like, what are you going to sightsee? What are you doing? He said, no, I'm just going to fly back. Uh, Apparently, Voracek did an interview in the past week for Radio Journal. I don't speak Czech. I speak lots of languages. Czech is not one of them. Okay. And apparently he said something to the effect of he's not ruling out the possibility of a change of scenery. It's worth noting that Voracek's best ever season in the NHL in terms of point production was 17, 18. And his coach during that season, Anthony was 
Dave Hackstall. Dave Hackstall. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying that we're reading tea leaves here, that we think it's going to happen. But if you're Seattle and you're looking for a player who theoretically could be marketable, you think of a player who's got personality and you think of a player who theoretically has had his best point production season unlocked by your new head coach. And maybe you want to have somebody, if there is a decent relationship there between the player and the coach, you would think that maybe Jake Voracek is a good guy, a good candidate to be taken by Seattle. Now, whether that's working out a side deal ahead of time or whether that is, you know, playing chicken with Seattle, you do kind of wonder if there's a possibility and you wonder if maybe that interview that Voracek gave abroad, maybe is kind of dropping an inkling that that conversation has been had with somebody in the, you know, either in the Flyers front office or perhaps with this agent that they might look to move me. I could be exposed to Seattle. You would think that maybe that's something of note. Uh, one of the, the players that we've talked about most recently as being a potential target uh, for the Flyers is Seth Jones, a player who is, uh, I don't know, for some reason, as polarizing as Ben Simmons at this point in this city. Uh, Seth Jones, we thought all along, if there is a deal to be made, that Chuck Fletcher will explore it but you would expect that as part of a potential deal, you would expect Seth Jones to sign an extension. You're not just going to, to acquire him and have him play out on, on a one-year contract, on a lame duck contract. If you're going to trade assets, if you're going to trade potential picks, if you're going to trade a top prospect and at least one roster player, you would kind of assume that you need to have that deal in place. Elliot Friedman on his 31 Thoughts podcast I'm going to go with a transcription from Dan, uh, from Dan Silver. I hope Dan is right. You just listened to it, so I'm going to assume it's pretty close. Uh, it said, I'm not so sure if Philly's going to be able to pull off the Seth Jones deal. It's not that the ask is huge. I just wonder if he's going to commit to them. I think there are a few places he'd consider signing long-term now, but I'm not sure Philly is one of them. I just heard that the big question is, would Jones sign in Philly? And I don't think Philly is that interested in doing this if they don't think he, he will or won't commit to it now. It's a pretty big deal. And, you know, there's been a lot of smoke around Seth Jones to the Flyers uh, from Friedman, from LeBron, from Sarabali. It's been discussed. It's out there with national pundits. You and I have certainly gone back and forth about the possibility. It is out there. A team that is in need of having a legitimate number one defenseman or a top pair defenseman at worst. Seth Jones fits a lot of those boxes. He checks a lot of those boxes. He could be a solid fit as a right-handed defenseman next to Ivan Provorov. Do you think that the lack of certainty going forward would prevent Chuck Fletcher from exploring a potential trade for Seth Jones? Yes. Um, there's no way Chuck makes this deal unless he knows he can sign him beyond next season. It, it's not even worth the risk of, well, let's bring him in. He'll fall in love with the place. And then we'll be able to sign him once he's already here. You, you can't take that chance. Even if you're confident that that would be the case, you still can't take that chance because if it, if it doesn't work out that way, then you're giving up assets that you could have used to better the team for the future in other areas just to get Seth Jones for one year. And that doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'll tell you this, if you're Seth Jones and Colorado is a team that's willing to take you for just one year, 
why wouldn't you want to go there where you know you have an instant shot at winning a Stanley Cup because Colorado is a contender right away. And if you have a great season, potentially cash in on a free agency contract the following year when there might be, and I say might because we don't know, but there might be a little bit more money uh, out there for you to get. So, you know, if you're Seth Jones, you probably are willing, you know, that's the wait. That's why there's been a, a bit of a waiting game because he's probably going to want, want that. The only other thing I can think of is if there's a city he really, 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 really wants to play in. And then he would say, okay, fine. I'm willing to give up that potential free agency uh, option a year from now. And um, I'll take whatever extension I can get with that team because this is the city I want to be in. Um, he grew up in Dallas. That's where his dad was first uh, playing in the NBA. And, uh, you know, dad, Popeye Jones, who's a Sixers assistant, um, but was playing for the Dallas Mavericks. That's where Seth Jones grew up. Um, so maybe Dallas is the one city that he's willing to say, I'll take that extension and, and give it a shot there. Um, but I think that that's why I think Dallas, Colorado probably are a little bit ahead, if not a lot of bit ahead of the flyers at this point. Um, even though the flyers are certainly still interested. Colorado would be like the anti Taylor hall to Buffalo move. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know that. I know that a lot of people kind of went with the idea last year. Oh, Taylor hall, man. He's, he's going to go to a bad team. Cause he got to put up points on a bad team. Somebody has got to get the points. I was like, well, no, if, if you're smart, you go to an advantageous position where you end up on a team that has actual forward depth, playmakers and scorers around you, and you rack up ridiculous point totals, and then you parlay that into a big deal. Um, it makes sense conceptually to go to Colorado. Not only do you have the possibility of winning a Stanley Cup, which is always a big thing, but you're playing on a solid defensive core. You're playing on a solid team, and it stands to reason that your metrics, whether you're going to go by traditional counting stats, the eye test or analytics should be better in that kind of situation. Now, the flip side to that is you could go with the Taylor Hall model and it's not to go to a terrible team, but it could be to go to a team that is known league wide as a team that is in need of defensive help. And if it's Philadelphia, which, you know, I, I get what you're saying that you don't make the move if you don't have an extension worked out, but conceptually say this goes, you know, a decent bit into the off season and you don't have a commitment to a contract extension, but the ask comes down. The negotiation, the negotiations start to become such where maybe it is palatable to part with a pro a prospect and some pick and maybe a lower end, um, you know, NHL caliber talent. And you do make that move. If you're Seth Jones and you come into this team that very clearly needs a number one defenseman or needs a top pair defenseman, you slot in next to Ivan Provorov, who we know is a solid 1B defenseman, and you're able to somehow kind of stabilize things in front of Carter Hart and all of a sudden Carter Hart rebounds. Well, then not only have you put yourself in good position league wide as having established yourself as the game changing talent as a defenseman, but you've also done a whole heck of a lot for your stock in Philadelphia. That to me is the much riskier proposition. I think anybody who's in his position would rather go to Colorado, have that chance to compete for a Stanley cup and likely put up better numbers overall. 
but I don't think the Philadelphia fits a bad one. I just, I kind of agree with you that it, it doesn't seem likely that this team makes that kind of move without having cost certainty and term certainty going forward to having that extension worked out. It just, it's not, it's not that it's a bad move for Seth Jones, Russ. I just think that when weighing your options, if the options are go to a city like Philadelphia, who might not be the cup contender right away, they might need a couple seasons and sign an extension there. Um, and then, you know, hope that they're going in the right direction, you know, buy into it versus going to a guaranteed contender for one season and then be able to do this all over again a year from now. I think that the second option is far more appealing um, for a player, any player, not just Seth Jones, um, but a player, any player that would be in that position because they're going to get a shot at winning and then they get Then they can go get their free agency contract and do it in a year where teams will be better situated under the cap, hopefully for you as a player um, than they are this season. So that's, I mean, that's the only difference. I mean, it's not that it's, it's not that this is a bad choice for Seth Jones, but there are better options for him. And that's why I think that Colorado, you know, is, is in the, is the leader in the clubhouse here uh, as far as going after Jones, because it just makes so much more sense for him. Um, now, of course he could go there. You could, you could, you know, play devil's advocate and he could go there, um, get injured uh, or not play well. Um, you know, Colorado can have a disappointing season next year for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, maybe Seth Jones doesn't have the season that he would hope. And then he goes into free agency and doesn't get the, you know, the money that he would like to get. Uh, that could well be too, but you bet on, you always, if you're a player, you bet on yourself, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there's one, you bet on what you can control and he can only control the way he, you know, he plays himself. So I think that that's why I, I kind of like the notion of, of him looking at it and saying, yeah, Colorado is probably the, the best choice for me um, moving forward. You know, as much as he'd help the Flyers, as, as, as great it would be to, to cover a guy like Seth Jones here in Philadelphia, I think that you know, what makes the most sense for him is to probably do the deal with you know, Colorado, who's willing to pay to get him there for a year, and then think about where he wants to go in 22-23. So the interesting thing, the other interesting nugget that came out of uh, Friedman's 31 Thoughts is the notion that Chuck Fletcher wants to make moves but doesn't feel under the gun to do so. Um, When I look at this, and I think the way that you probably look at this as well, is this team isn't... um, It's not on the cusp of being a Stanley Cup contender. They're not just one piece away. You know, you can't... When, when you look at this, if you're being honest, like if you're listening to this show right now and you think to yourself, all right, this team is probably at least one defenseman away, might be a second defenseman away because you might have to trade away one of your defensemen to either try to fill a top six forward need or to perhaps acquire a guy like Seth Jones to take that spot on your top pair. You're probably two, two defensemen away. And I think you're probably a top six forward away. You're going to have a plethora of options as a, uh, in terms of like a veteran backup goalie who could split time with Carter Hart 
kind of along the lines of maybe like a 60 40 split if need be a guy that you could definitely rely on to play three or four games in a row if if he's the hot hand and that's the way that Elaine Vigneault wants to go in this upcoming season if you're logical if you go into this offseason and you say that's probably where this team is to be a contender of sorts I think that's fair if you sit back and you say this team needs to be blown up everything sucks the core needs to burn I think that's a little bit ridiculous At the same time, if you sit back and say, well, you know, the Flyers technically did beat the Canadiens and the Lightning in the playoffs two years ago, so they're pretty much going to win the Stanley Cup. That's dumb bullshit. Like, that's really dumb. And that's not even something where, like, we can sit back and say, hey, you know what? It's really nice that you have an opinion. You know, you go. You you feel darn tootin' good about it. No, that's dumb. And we would be doing you a disservice If we didn't tell you that that is an asinine way to look at this, it is devoid of logic. It is devoid of reason. And you should absolutely be publicly shamed for having such a terrible opinion. That said, the listeners of Snow the Goalie, of course, are intelligent human beings who are capable of actual thought and also happen to understand the game they're watching. So if we take all of that into consideration, I think it's probably logical that Chuck Fletcher wants to make moves. I am not the most confident, and I've said many times over, I'm not the guy who thinks that Chuck Fletcher is the guy to blow things up or is the guy to make the -the over-the-top move and potentially gut parts of this team to make it a cup contender. Could I be wrong? Sure. Do I think there's a track record that shows the ability or the propensity to do so? No, I don't. But well, I also think that there's well, wait a second, I also wait a second, hold, no, wait hold a on. Second, I, I'm not I'm not burying him. I'm not burying him. Just wait. No, no, I'm not saying you're burying I, him. I'm not I, saying you're burying him. But well, for when well, da, 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 da. no, 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 I got to interrupt I, you when you say something that's wrong. I let you go. for. I, I didn't say I didn't. You just what, did didn't say, say something wrong. that was wrong. I, I said nothing. A hundred percent said something. That what was did wrong. I say that was wrong? You said he doesn't have the track record of doing that. And I'm going to stop you because he does have that track record of doing that. He was if the you guy. Try to tell me if you try to tell me Parise and Suter, I'm going to smack you. I'll well, reach it's, computer, how, how I'll can you, you not say that they were too? That was a huge decision to do that. He put his neck out on the line. He, he lost his job ultimately am because I, of it. Am, am I crazy for for remembering reading multiple things that that was an ownership driven move? That that wasn't just a, a and don't don't hedge this as well. An owner has to sign up on everything. If that's an ownership-driven decision, we've seen ownership-driven decisions here on big free agents. Ed Snyder forced the hand of Paul Holmgren to sign Ilya Brizgalov. So would I say that's a Paul Holmgren mistake? Not necessarily. If the owner wants that, that's what happens. Now, can we say that Chuck Fletcher is the guy who signed both of those players? Absolutely, we can. Do we know for a fact that he's the one who wanted to make that happen and it was he and he alone who walked into the, the owner's office and said, make it happen? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I, look, I, I, you could say that all you want, that it was an ownership-driven decision. The fact of the matter is, is the general manager is the one working with the agents. The general manager is the one who's putting together the contract that's going to be offered to them. Like, you know, the term and everything else. I mean, yeah, might ownership have been, uh, you know, really on board with doing that, bringing the – the, the hometown boys home to try and help the wild become something special. Sure. Of course, you know, and just like you pointed out with, with Snyder, Snyder did tell Holmgren to go out and get the best goalie available. He didn't tell him, go get Ilya Brzgalov. He said, go, go get the best goalie available, whatever it takes. 
And so that's what that's what Holmgren did. But it became Holmgren's call to determine that the best goalie available was Ilya Brzgalov when they had Bobrovsky in town already. And but they just didn't think he was going to turn into a two-time Vezina winning goaltender, right? So I mean, yeah. that's so. Well, I mean, let me. Let, so let me, you could you could give it you could put it on you can put it on ownership, but the general manager ultimately is the one who makes those things happen. Sure. Let me respectfully counter this point that you have with the whole issue that I have here. And I mentioned the the idea of like having to gut things to make things happen is that the Flyers don't have this bevy of cap space. Like the trades are gonna have to be made. And I guess the point I'm really trying to make here is we don't have that track record of seeing a guy gut a team to make that big acquisition, whether that's through free agency or if that's through a trade. And what the Flyers are going to need to work out is a trade for a legitimate stud. Because as we've talked about many times over at this point, this franchise right now, Fletcher is trying to rebuild the credibility of this organization to free agents, to big ticket free agents, because quite frankly, for the last two years, They just haven't been as interested in coming to Philadelphia as they might have been in the past. So that to me is like the bigger thing. It's not necessarily just being able to throw down the biggest check on the table. It's being able to make the moves that might be painful to make. Like when you think about what it's going to take to get a guy like a Seth Jones or to get a guy like Ryan Ellis or to get a guy like Jack Eichel, it's going to cost you. It's going to hurt. It's not only going to hurt you in the checkbook, right? to extend some of these guys, but it's also certainly going to hurt in terms of the prospects. You might have to give up the draft picks, the draft compensation. You might have to give up and making a really tough decision on at least one of your NHL caliber players. We've talked about Travis Konechny being a potential guy. We talked about Travis Sanheim. We talked about Phil Myers. Now the different varying levels or the varying degrees to which you value those players might be different. Now, Nolan Patrick, a Shane Goss despair, you know, like fans are going to look at this differently than we will. And we're going to look at this differently than some of our, our peers on press row. Uh, but, and the organization is certainly going to evaluate things differently, but like there is still going to be a painful element to any trade that you're going to make. You don't just inherently win a trade where you say, Hey, we got this really solid player. We got this top pair defenseman and we gave up nothing. Those things don't happen. They don't happen in this league. They don't really happen in any league, except for like, maybe the early 2000s NBA. Other than that, they don't happen. It just, it, it, it just, it doesn't occur. It would be very strange to see it happen. If, if all of a sudden it, it were to happen this off season, then by all means, clip this piece up and send it back to me on Twitter in like mid August, but I don't see it happening. So by the time it's all said and done, by the time the expansion draft is over, by the time the NHL draft is over, and by the time we get to the start of free agency, how many players from this past season's roster do you think will be gone? Well, I mean, I, I you know, just in conversation previously, I've said that I think that Chuck's going to turn over, you know, a, about uh, a little a third or a little more than a third of the roster. So if that's the case, I think you're going to see six somewhere between six and eight new faces and six to eight faces gone. And now what that means doesn't necessarily mean that all six to eight new faces are going to come from outside the organization. You might be some of them coming from within. Um, but at the same time, I do think that that's kind of what you're looking at somewhere in that range. Um, and anything you know, to be honest with you, Russ, if it's less than that, then it better be, they better be home runs because 
if it's less than that and they're not home runs, you're not going to have much better a much better team than you had last season. If it's that number, I think it gives you an opportunity to kind of start from scratch. Even if you are bringing back two thirds of the team, you're bringing back the players that you know are going to are going to give you the an honest effort and the best effort. And you combine that with new players who you think will or you hope will buy into the what the coaches are, are preaching and take it from there. So I think that I think six to eight somewhere in that vicinity is probably what you're looking at on on the uh, you know in the grand scheme. And if it ends up being that number, I think Flyers fans should be happy about it. I agree. So, okay, six to eight, but how many do you think will be gone by the time free agency starts? So, like, we're talking about, obviously, one player will be gone because of the expansion draft, at least one, um, because there could be other side deals worked out around then, and then the draft itself. So do you think it's going to be, you know, are we talking well, about do, four guys? Think, are we, I think are we thinking Flyers, four guys by that point? And then there are some later trades and like I, free no, agency no, no, I, starting to settle down. Like, what do you think? I think that the trading happens at, at the draft. I think that's where that's where the trades are going to take place um, in and around the draft. So mm-hmm. I think you might even get it. You might get a trade um, that ties into uh, the expansion draft. Even if it's not with Seattle, there's a possibility of a multi-team deal or working something out with somebody else or whatever the case might be. Um, so I think that something can happen that in that regard. I, I think once you hit free agency, trades become less. Once you get to the free agency fe- end of things, I think you're ta- looking at less of a possibility of a, of a trade happening. Uh, maybe the first day um, or second first or second day. But once, once that happens, once you, once you're at the 28th, 29th of, July, forget it. I mean, that's trades don't really happen much after that until the season. And I guess that to me is is really the question. Once we get to the end of July, if this team doesn't look like it's going to be a fundamentally different squad, then I I really am worried. Like if if by the time the expansion draft, like let's let me put it like this. If the expansion draft happens and the Flyers don't make a side move, and the player that you thought the um, the organization might go after, or sorry, or was it ha- or was it Hackstall? One of the guys that you said that you thought they could go after, Seattle, could be Nick Abe Kubel. If that's the guy that ends up getting taken, I immediately, I will warn you right now, and I'll warn everybody who's listening to this show and who happens to follow me on Twitter, I will be in a panic. I will be in an absolute panic mode. Why? Because if that happens, that that means that one of your big money guys that you expected in theory to be off the books to allow for a little bit more flexibility in terms of a trade or in terms of free agency will not be gone. That's not true. Why? That's also not true. Well, you're over, you're over two today. Um, no, wrong. Fake, You're fake news. Go ahead. <laughs> no, because Seattle, Seattle takes Nick Abe Kubel. That means so two th- two, that means, Jake, two, that means two, James, uh, James Aaron Reams likes here. And that also means that Shane Gosses is still here. Yeah, I got it. Um, okay. Uh, so two things with that. First and foremost, you can't you you can't put you know be mad at the Flyers or worry about the Flyers based off of another team's decision. If that's who the S- Seattle Kraken want, then that's who the Seattle Kraken want. Whether it was the right call or the wrong call, whether it benefited the Flyers or didn't benefit the Flyers, you know that's that's what Seattle's going to do. And and if that's the case, then so be it. But I will tell you right now. I said I'd be worried. I didn't say it would be okay, organizational malpractice. I didn't I got say this you. is a failure by Chuck Fletcher. I got you, but we're gonna. I'm going into part two of that now, and part two of that is 
I don't think that Chuck is sitting there crossing his fingers, beg, you know, praying to every God in, in every religion in, in the world that uh, Seattle takes one of those bigger contracts. I'm pretty certain that he's probably got some, uh, you know, deals in the hopper. If, it, you know, if Seattle doesn't go with this player, then we can move this player to this team or that team or whatever the, the case might be. And I do believe that there are more teams than just the Seattle Kraken who would be interested in James Van Riemsdyk because of the season he had last year, because of his value on the power play, and because it's only two seasons at $7.25 million. Um, is it a little bit of a higher price tag? Yes, but you can, you can deal with it. You, you, can, you can, you know, taste that contract on your palate uh, and be okay with it because you know he's going to provide you with, with good offense, especially on the power play. I, I, I don't see that being a negative. And I think Goss Despair can be moved as well because obviously, let's just say, let's say, for example, that Seattle did take Van Riemsdyk. Well, guess what? Does it, what are you doing with Gossesbury? Are you bringing him back? Or do you think you have a deal in place with somebody else that will take him? And I think that there isn't probably a deal in place. But I think that, you know, those things are incumbent upon what happens. I think one outcome leads to the other outcomes. But I don't sit here and think that, that Chuck's like, well, if they don't take him, we're screwed. I think he's got plan B in place. Uh, or plan C or plan D, depending on which player Seattle ends up taking from his team. Yeah. So not what I'm saying. We're saying two totally different things. No, it is what you're saying. That's you're, not... wor- you're saying you're worried. You're worried. Because I'm saying, I'm saying that the, then the... how are you going to get rid of that money? And I'm telling you that, that, that there are other options out there to get rid of that money. No, I'm just saying that that was a, that was originally thought to be a guaranteed way to get that money out of town. Well, there was no guarantee to it though. There's no eh, guarantee. The only guarantee, eh. the only guarantee, the only way to really guarantee it is to be willing to part with to real, make a side deal good, to make sure that that's the real guy good that's value taken. to make sure that's who Seattle takes. Sure. But the, then you have to debate what is where you know where do I how far am I willing to go with that value? Like sure, just but so you can take fa- that contract. But in fairness, that might be your easiest out. Like if you were looking to do a salary dump in a flat cap year. The expansion side is probably your easiest way to go. And and I get what you're saying, that conversations have probably already been had and that Chuck Fletcher is going to line up plans A through G, which is totally fine. But the easiest path to getting at least $7 million off your cap is by either working something out or hoping that Seattle takes one of these guys. And if they don't, then all of a sudden, like, let's let's not kid ourselves here. If you're another team and you're doing business with Philadelphia and you know what Philadelphia's cap situation is and you know that Philadelphia is likely going to be looking to make moves, it might give you just the tiniest bit of leverage knowing that like, no, they didn't clear that money off. And now it becomes even that much more important for Philadelphia to make this move to get this guy off their cap. I'm just saying like it it doesn't necessarily mean that a deal can't be made just means that it might take the easiest option off the table. That's why I would be worried. It doesn't mean that I think the organization's incapable of making a trade. It just means that, to me, that's the easiest way to get out from under that money. Well, I mean, that's, we'll see. I mean, the, we'll see. The, it may be the easiest way, but it isn't the only way. Is, no, is I didn't it say it was. I never said it was the only way. Said right, but, but, that you're would be, sound, but you're making it sound like you have to go into a state of panic if Seattle takes Nick Albay-Kubel. I would don't. be worried because I wonder about what the, the leverage play could be from another team knowing that the Flyers need to clear cap space. A lot, then of, I teams, do, a lot of teams need to clear cap space. Sure. So teams are going to trade salary for salary is what's going to end up happening. 
you know, you're going to see hockey trades. You're going to see mm-hmm. player for a player. Johnny hockey trade for Jake Voracek reported here on the uh, snow, the goalie podcast, Anthony Sanfilippo says that Johnny Goudreau will be traded for Jake Voracek. Did wow. Anthony, Anthony who, did Anthony Sanfilippo who, say that? Or who, did, uh, I believe Nick, he just did. Or did Nick Kiprios say that on our podcast? That is true. Nick Kiprios did say that on our podcast okay. a while ago. It's amazing what happens when you actually have a, you know, somewhat credible uh, podcast and or site that you write for. People like to come on and have chats about things. Anyway, um, I think that's probably an OK spot to stop for now. Yeah, I did see last week. Somebody complained that we didn't show up to our show with um, as much inside info as normal, that we didn't necessarily, um, I guess, come out with all guns blazing that we didn't come out with um, I guess like some of the, the backdoor mechanisms that were in play uh, around the flyers and their, their uh, future endeavors here in these next few weeks, we have something in the hopper. We have something coming. And all I can say, because we don't want to announce it too early. We don't want to say it ahead of time is next week. We will have somebody on the podcast who you will definitely want to hear from it's somebody who i think we've been waiting a while to hear from and it's somebody that i know anthony is certainly looking forward to talking to i am as well i want some answers the fine folks listening to the podcast want some answers and i think it's about time we give the people some answers is that is that a is that an okay can i say that anthony is that okay that's good. Although I think you've you've led them down a different path. No, especially, shut, shut up, especially Anthony. especially Anthony. especially shut the up. people who are the most loyal listeners to the pod. You ruin think, things. I don't ruin anything with your way. Listen, you create intrigue. Sometimes there's a misdirect. Sometimes it's a bait and switch. You got to just roll with it, Anthony. Roll with it. But we I will want say this: the intrigue. But it I is know, good. I, one. I, it's I, a very good. The, one. the intrigue can stay, can remain because I'm going to say this mm-hmm. much. Um, um, it, it's not like, I mean, you know, even if Russ was going for a little bit of a bait and switch there, a little bit of a misdirect, uh, it's not like he was doing that to make you think that the guest would be better than what it's going to be. This is a great guest. This is a great guest so much, so much so that it was already being talked about around the flyers offices today that I got text, a tech, well, I got a couple text messages about it, but let me pull up this one and I'm not going to say who it came from, but I got this text message from uh, someone, you know, uh, Russ. Mm. I know many people. I'm a very um, sociable person that said, uh, uh, wow, big time podcast guest next week. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> yes. It, oh, yes, he it said, is. sir. Now, all of a sudden, the fine folks at Comcast Spectacore are currently scrambling, scrambling to figure out who it was. By the way, it doesn't necessarily totally impact the Flyers, but the report that um, I think it was it the Wall Street Journal. Was it the was it Forbes? Was it the New York Times? One of them. I don't know. It was over on CrossingBroad.com. Uh, the the thought that Sinclair has uh, put in an offer for the NBC Sports Regional Networks, mm-hmm. which includes NBC Sports Philadelphia, that would be an interesting play. If that were to happen, let's just say conceptually those networks were sold. How far away do you think it would take? How much of a leap would it take for that to eventually perhaps spur on a sale of the Philadelphia Flyers? I don't know. I mean, there's part of me that that 
is starting to think that Brian Roberts kind of likes owning the Flyers. Um, but it would be, I, I, I think a lot of that would depend on the business dealings that would then have to take place. Mm-hmm. But you got to remember, even if you, even if you dump the TV station, you're still, you still not only own the team, but you also own the building. Yeah. Right. So it's basically a rent free situation. Like, Imagine, imagine the money that you know the Sixers have to pay just to use the Wells Fargo Center, or that any other professional sports team has to pay to use an arena or a, or a field or whatever the case might be. Um, Comcast gets to keep that extra coin. Well, they get to keep it. They get to get they get the Sixers money, and they don't have to pay for it for the Flyers. So it's just yeah. it's it's a, it's a double bonus there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that there would be such a rush to do that. But at the same time, I also wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, I think a lot is going to be dictated uh, as far as that's concerned by the Flyers' success on the ice and how that translates to fans in the, in the stands and butts in the seats over the course of the next two to three years. The tea leave reading for what it's worth for a little bit had been that Josh Harris might look to uh, sell off the devils in the Prudential center in order to try to make a play for the flyers and for Wells Fargo center. If for no other reason than he hasn't been able to get a new deal worked out for the Sixers and is just sick of paying the, uh, the tenant rates to Comcast. Anyway, I guess we should get to the final part of the podcast, which of course is the five-star reviews, which Anthony loves reading i believe we have one new five star review and then we have two now we have one no one, and then we ha- no yes. we have yes. two new five star reviews and no. elise yes no, we have one one new and no, two, we have two. two repeats no we don't oh. tell me who are the two names that you think are the new podcast reviews? they came in on it doesn't matter you don't get it but thursday and friday mm-hmm. all right yep what are their names uh ari logan who's written one before no way. Yep. I love being right. It's such a good feeling. It really is. Because Ari Logan, of course, left a review on June 27th, a five-star review saying, great info on Hackstall firing and the latest on hockey show is always entertaining and informative. Always looking for the next episode to I listen have, to. Well, no, well, and then well, Ari Logan, and then Ari Logan came one. back. Well, that's because I pay for my podcast reviews.com. Ari Logan updated that five-star review on July 1st and said, Jones and for a trade, great hot stove info on a possible trade. Enjoy each episode more than the last. Anyway, well, guess I'm what? right. Guess what? But, you never hmm. read Ari Logan's original one on the show. I did. You can go back and listen to it. You're, you are very wrong. All right, let's go. I am not because I had never seen it before. I, re- I read it on the last the last podcast. Go back and you, listen to you it. You didn't. You did not. I, What's our friendly wager? Because I know for a fact that I stumbled over the last part of it. What's our wager? Throw a friendly wager down, pal. A cheesesteak? Sure. How about a dinner at Nifty 50s? Okay. All right. I'm going to go back. I'm going to play it for you when we're done the show. I'm looking forward to this. I'm very excited. Very, very excited to get dinner at Nifty 50s with you. But please, for the love of God, wear a shirt. All right. Here is the new podcast review. Let me just double check because I think now I could be wrong here. I did read this one. All right, let's go here. Mech 820. Five stars. Great podcast. Always an immediate listen when the new episode comes out. Wish it was more than once a week, but I always feel like I'm getting some good inside info when I listen. 
of the best Flyers pods. Oh, sorry. One of the best Flyers pods, in my opinion, basically tied for the top with the other. Now, Anthony, do you want to explain to uh, to this wonderful person, Mech820, who left us a five star review, what the cognitive dissonance in that line is about being the being one of the best or being tied with another for the best? You can do that. Vamp for a second. I'm going to try to pull up the audio from last week's episode. I, I want to make sure I get this this dinner locked. I don't here. I don't think that I need to explain the cognitive dissonance because I'm not the one who always refers to our uh, our podcast as the only Flyers podcast. That would be you who refers to it as the only Flyers podcast. Um, so I would think that if anyone were going to explain to our good friend and uh, one of our favorite listeners, uh, Mech 820, and I'm assuming it's Mech, only because M-E-C-H would be, well, it could be mechanic, like the beginning of the word mechanic, Mech. You know, I'm just trying to think if there's a name that that would kind of work with, and it doesn't. See, now this person's going to have to send us another uh, update on their review so that we know how to pronounce their name. Um, but I have an idea of, of, of which pod that, they, that this individual probably likes that exists out there besides our, our own. Do you have any guesses? I'm not going to say Go what no, no, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just betting that it's, it's probably because based off the fact that they wish it was more than once a week. Oh, it's, it's, it's Flyers Daily. I think it's Flyers Daily with Mertidis. Yeah, that's why I think that's what I think is the, this individual is saying. And if that's the case, you know what? It's a good company to be in. Was that enough vamping from me? I can't hear you, Russ. You cut out. There we go. Sorry about that. I'm yeah. I'm listening. I'm listening to the. Uh... There we go. Hold on. Let's see. I read the Ari Logan one. Hold on. No, I don't think you did read the Ari Logan one. Oh no, I did. Hold on. I did read it. All right, hold on. Let's go back here. You don't even need an Apple device to. Let's see. This is good pod. Ari Logan. I'm gonna say Ari Logan. Snow the goalie, five stars. Great info on Hackstall hiring and the latest on hockey. Show is always entertaining and informative. Always looking forward, uh, always looking for the next episode to listen to. So thank you. I even remember the fact that I stumbled on it. Oh, dinner at Nifty Fifties, buddy. Let me just tell you, I got the burger ready to go. I got some fries, cherry Coke. We're sparing no expense. Give no me expense. all the grenadine you got. <laughs> Woo! You don't even have to admit you were wrong. We got it. We got the moment. Oh, I'm so excited. This is great. This is great. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Anthony looks totally dejected. A man who started the show <laughs> with his shirt off, put it back on. By the time, you know, he's lucky because Nifty 50s isn't that expensive. I could have, you know, said like a, a Capitol Grill steak dinner, and then he would have had to sell the shirt off his back to afford such a thing. I, I could take him for everything he's worth if we go back to all the times he's been wrong on this show, but I won't. I won't do that, but I'm very happy. I'm very excited because next week, again, cannot stress this enough, next week's episode, we'll have a guest that you want to hear from, somebody that you deserve to hear from and get some answers from. That's all we're going to say. All right, maybe we should give one more hint. Now we can't do that. We won't. Maybe we won't. Nah, nah, nah. nah. Make sure you follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at snow, the goalie, facebook.com slash snow, the goalie. 
Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music. We are there as well, by the way. So I know I've explained this before. You can ask Google, Siri, or, or Alexa to play the newest episode of Snow the Goalie. You might have to say Snow the Goalie, a Flyers podcast, and bingo, bango, bongo. By the way, the new podcast that dropped, Dumb Drafts, we did that episode this past week, TV, uh, TV news teams. It got a lot of traction, got a lot of traction on social media, but one of the most uh, read, I believe, articles on the site this week was the Ombudsman Report by Anthony Sanfilippo, who wrote a review, and he's got another one coming for next week's episode. Was it, was it really one of the most read? I don't know. I was just trying to boost your ego after I took you for a nifty 50s dinner. Uh, so I will say that uh, this week's episode coming out, well, it'll be next week, the week of whatever that is, the 10th, the 12th, uh, is going to be, I think, even better. Uh, it was because great. We had, we had Joe Sixpack on, who yes. co-hosts a show with Glenn Mack now, uh, the What's Brewing PA show. And let me just say that the staff of Crossing Broad, who happened to be on that show drafting beer, some of them did well and some of them did not. And I did not participate, but I can tell you that I was disgusted by some of the uh, selections that were made by our colleagues over at CrossingBroad.com. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a very good episode. I was uh, I was impressed. I was entertained. I thought that uh, Joe Sixpack, which we, I, you're going to, you guys are going to get a, 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 the, one of the negatives for me. I'll just give, tease it in advance here. The fact that you guys kept calling him Joe when he goes by Don Russell on no. what's nope. brewing. We talked about it ahead of time. Did you I really? asked him before we started doing the show? I said, what would you prefer Don Russell or Joe Sixpack? He said, call me Joe Sixpack because that's how most people who okay. read about beer know me. So don't listen. All that right. is at least the second time you've been wrong in this podcast. I'm going to stop because well, I wouldn't say I was three. wrong. I feel well, you were, but I, I'm no, stop I there. said that he goes yeah. by Don Russell on what's brewing. Does that mean mm -hmm. that I'm that I'm wrong? <laughs> Means that you're wrong. So anyway, thank you so much for listening out there in podcast land. We look forward to, uh, you know, continuing to fill your ears with all the best flyers content that money can buy. We'll be back again next week. Big guest next week, and I believe a big announcement or two coming down the line. We're just trying to hammer out a couple of details. And once they're hammered out, let me just tell you, this show, next level. We're already there, but we're going to go one more level, maybe two levels higher. Who knows? Always stay tuned. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.